to be with you today uh, to stand here and proclaim the word of God. It's an honor to hear this beautiful music and look out at these wonderful faces in front of me. I appreciate you being here and I appreciate you allowing me to be here. I'm going to go off script for just a moment. I got to give you a little bit of a history lesson. You know me in history. Tomorrow, of course, the nation will pause to honor the birthday of the late Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his contributions to our society. 1966, which is almost 60 years ago now, my high school team, Newton County, traveled here to Conyers. And right across the street, less than a quarter mile away, we went into that awful old thing that the Rockdale County people called a gymnasium <laughs> and played a basketball game against Rockdale County High School. And Rockdale County had a black athlete named Willie Gilstrap playing for them. And that's significant because it was the first time in this area that a black athlete had played against a white athlete and vice versa. It wasn't allowed. And it was quite an auspicious thing for us. And Rockdale County beat us that night in overtime. My coach, Ronald Bradley, went berserk. Rockdale came to Newton County a few weeks later. We buried them. But that's another story for another day. I tell you this, I tell you that to tell you this. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. made his most famous speech, the I Have a Dream speech. And in 1966, when Willie Gilstrap played against Newton County, all the other teams in this area with his Rockdale County teammates, that dream wasn't close to being realized. But here we are, almost 60 years later, and despite those that have distorted the message, despite those that were, for their own personal reasons, would, would kind of mix up the message, uh, this morning, a quarter of a mile away from where my team played against Willie's team, Willie Gilstrap's son played music and I preach and worship at this church, so Martin Luther King's dream is alive and well. And that's a praise for God, I think. And I also want to say this, that the message that Mr. Yoder came up and gave you about the warming center and feeding those folks and looking after those folks and keeping them warm is at least as important a message than you'll hear from me today. But Lord, when did I see you in prison and visit you? Lord, when were you naked and I clothed you? Lord, when was, were you hungry and I fed you? The Lord said, that which you do for the least of my kingdom, you do for me. Praise God. I hope we can all help 
for this project. Shall we pray? May God be with us in this hour and help us to hear your voice. Your voice. And do your will. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of John. The first chapter of John, verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of God. In the beginning, we're right back where we started last week, except 2,500 years later. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision nor a husband's will, but born of God. The Word became flesh, and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Last week, we talked about creation in the beginning. Once again, we looked at Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we talked about the fact that God created light. He spoke light into, into existence. Light that overcame the darkness and brought order to chaos. Well, this week, we move ahead a few millennia. And once again, we're talking about the beginning, the book of John. John was one of the 12 disciples. Tradition says that John was the youngest of the twelve. He was the brother of the disciple James. They were the sons of Zebedee. They were called the sons of thunder. I wish I had a nickname like that. Y'all think John and I could be the... There he goes again. I think you should call John's and I, John and I the sons of thunder or something like that. John referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved the most. In all of his writings, he never said John as a disciple that Jesus loved. John was said to be the only uh, one of the disciples who lived to old age and did not die a martyr's death. He wrote a beautiful book, and the purpose of his book was to prove conclusively that Jesus is the Son of God and that all who believe in him 
will have eternal life. And John begins his beautiful narration not with an angel's annunciation, not with a journey to Bethlehem, not with a cold night in a stable, not with the birth of the Savior, but all the way back at the beginning of creation. He reiterates what we talked about last week. In the beginning was the Word, God, Jesus Christ. Jesus is eternal. Jesus cannot be separated from God. There wasn't God, and then there was Jesus. There was always God. There was always Jesus. Jesus has always been. Jesus is. Jesus always will be. In the beginning was the Word, God Almighty, Jesus Christ, from the very beginning, from before the beginning. What Jesus taught and what Jesus did is only significant because of who he is. Jesus is God. That's the foundation of all Scripture. And if we cannot or if we will not or do not accept that basic truth, then how can we have enough faith to trust our eternal destiny to Jesus Christ? Jesus is God. Let's think about this. Oh, we've been coming to church for a hundred years. Right here, we know that. Why are you up there telling us something? Tell us something we don't know. Tell us something that we haven't already. Y'all, if you're ever in a church and the preacher starts telling you something that you don't know, if he starts telling you something that you haven't read in the Bible, you better get away from that church as fast as you can. You don't need to hear anything that you don't know. You don't need to hear anything that hasn't been preached. You need to hear the Word of God, and the Word of God says Jesus is God. And sometimes it doesn't hurt for us to be reminded of that. We're getting back to the basics this month. There was a guy named Josh McDowell, and some of y'all know who he was or is. Josh McDowell was an agnostic. He was a learned man. He had a Ph.D., he was going to prove that the Bible was false, that God didn't exist. There seems to be a lot of that going around. We talked last week about a genetic geneticist who set out to prove that, Francis Collins, and he became a believer. Josh McDowell became a believer too, and he began, began, became a great evangelist. And he's the first person that I ever heard present this, this little triangular logic. Josh Dowell said that concerning Jesus, there are only three possibilities. Either Jesus was God, or Jesus was a liar, or Jesus was a lunatic. And again, a lot of you have heard this triangular logic as well, but we're going to look at it again today. Jesus said he was God. Several times throughout Scripture, Jesus said, I am. So you say, I am. I'm the Son of God. He forgave sins. Jesus claimed to be God. Now, if you claim to be God, there are only three possibilities. Either you 
think you're God and you're not, or you know you're not God, let's say you are, or you are God and say you are. Now, a person who would say that he's God and isn't is a liar. If, he, if Jesus knew that he wasn't God but claimed to be God, claimed to be the only way to the Father, then he was lying. A lot of people say, oh, I believe that Jesus was a great religious teacher. I believe that Jesus was a prophet. I believe he was a good man, but he wasn't God. He didn't have divinity. Well, he said he had divinity. He said he was God. And if he said he was God and knew he wasn't, then he was a liar. And a liar can't be the foundation of our salvation. Maybe he was delusional. Maybe he thought he was God. If he said he, got, said he was God because he thought he was God, but he wasn't, then he was delusional. He was a lunatic. A delusional person is not going to stand the test of time over the centuries. Jesus said he was God, and he was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What a strange way to save the world. Why in the world would God leave the glory of heaven to come down amongst us? World's tough place. Now, for a lot of us, the world's not so hard, maybe. You know, we're doing pretty good. We're, uh, we're very, very blessed. But life is tough. And every place is not like this place. And everywhere that you could be is not like the lives that we live. But God subjected himself to everything that we have to endure. Why would he subject himself to our humanity? And understand, while on earth Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. There's not a verse in the Bible that says that, but a preponderance of the evidence shows that God was fully human. Jesus was fully human, and he was fully God. Let's look at the evidence. Jesus was born. I'm God. I'm Almighty. I spoke the world into existence. I can do anything I want to do. If I wanted to just come to earth and be among mankind, I could just come to earth as an adult or as any form that I wanted to come. He chose to send Jesus to be born of a mother. He chose him to live through infancy, through adolescence, through manhood. Jesus was born and lived a life that we understand. And he understood us. Some of y'all old enough to remember Dizzy Dean and Pee Wee Reese. Dizzy Dean had been a Hall of Fame pitcher. Then he became a broadcaster. And Casey Stengel in the seventh inning would come out to the pitcher's mound, hold out that hand, and take the ball away from the starter. It wasn't like it is today where they were dying to get out after the fifth inning. They wanted to finish what they'd started. The pitchers would slam the ball into his fist and stomp off mad. Dizzy would say, Podna? I know how you feel. I've been there myself. Jesus knows how we feel. 
He has been there. He has experienced everything that we have experienced. He was fully man while being fully God. We know, we don't know much about Jesus' life between Bethlehem and, and when he came down to be baptized by John uh, in the Jordan River and began his ministry. But we need, do know that as a child, Dr. Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. We know that he was a precocious child. Uh, when he was 12 years old, his mother Mary and Joseph took him to, up to Jerusalem for the Passover. And after the feast, they all were in a little caravan going home. And it was the second day, and Mary and Joseph realized they hadn't seen Jesus for two days. What kind of parents were they? How, how could that happen? Well, if you were raised in Porterdale, you would understand because everybody raised everybody else. My mama might go two days without realizing I wasn't around. You've been to Salem Campground. Our children can go two days without us barely. So they realized that Jesus was in the group. They went back to the synagogue and they found him teaching the scribes and the, and the priests. And they were amazed at his wisdom and his knowledge. Jesus was a precocious child. He was God but he was man. He worked with his hands in a carpenter shop. We know that just as we're tempted, Jesus was tempted after he was baptized by John. He went out into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the Bible says, and he was hungry. No kidding. He was hungry because he hadn't eaten. He was tempted by the devil because he was weak. He was able to be tempted by the devil and not give in to temptation. But Luke also tells us the devil went away and came again at a more opportune time. So we know that he was tempted many times, just as we're tempted. When his friend died, he wept. He had human emotions. He was frightened in the Garden of Gethsemane at what he had to face. Lord, if you can take this cup from me, please do. But... Not my will, but your will be done. He was frightened on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus came to earth as a man. But why? Why would God do that? Well, we're going to talk about three reasons briefly in the time we have left. One was to fulfill God's own plan of creation and salvation for the world. The birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was prophesied in Scripture throughout the ages. God had a plan. Jesus was part of that plan. Jesus came to complete that plan. More than 300 prophecies were fulfilled through Jesus. The Old Testament was built over centuries was written over centuries, inspired by the Word of God, written by multiple, multiple, multiple authors, and they all pointed to Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled that scripture. It was not a coincidence. God had made a promise. God keeps his promises. God kept his promise by sending Jesus Christ. And 
God promised he's going to come back too, so you might want to keep that in the back of your mind. Of course, foremost, Jesus came to offer a perfect blood sacrifice to pay for our sins so that we can be reconciled with God. We're sinners. We are all sinners, and God cannot be in the presence of sin. So because of our sin, we're condemned to eternal death. We are condemned by our sins to eternal separation from God. But God didn't want that for us. But he's a just God, so somebody had to pay for our sins. And Jesus came to be the perfect blood sacrifice, the Lamb of God, the unblemished Lamb of God. Only someone without sin could shed the blood that would wash away the sins of mankind. Paul wrote in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of life. What a wonderful gift. Romans 3.23, Paul wrote, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then in his letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Paul wrote, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Christ was without sin. And yet on the cross he took on every foul, ugly, hateful sin of every person who ever existed, would exist in the world. He became sin. His blood atoned for our sin. For God made him to be sin who knew no sin. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right through God, through, with God, through Jesus Christ. He can make us right with God in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Whoever believeth in him. He gave a great gift. The gift of eternal life. Well, what's eternal mean? I heard an old preacher at Salem camp meeting one year talk about eternity this way. He said, imagine... All of the beaches of the Atlantic coast. And imagine that one bird picked up one grain of sand and flew around the world and dropped it on the Pacific coast. And then flew back around the world and he did that over and over and over until he got every grain of sand from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast. And he said, when he does that, it'll just be good daybreak in eternity. Eternal life. We can live with God forever if we accept Christ's gift. 
Anybody get gift cards for Christmas? Anybody still have gift cards in your drawer from last Christmas that you never redeemed? They're worthless just sitting there. You got to take them to the store and eat with them or buy something with them. God has given us a wonderful gift, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and we have to accept it for it to do us any good. There's a movie called National Treasure, Nicholas Cage. It came out probably 20 years ago. I love it. Nicholas Cage stole the Declaration of Independence out of the archives building in Washington, D.C. He did it for a good reason. He did it to keep the bad guys from getting it. And the rest of the movie, the FBI and the bad guys chased Nicholas Cage all over Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New York City, Boston, everywhere. And finally, Nicholas Cage character finds this tremendous treasure under the Trinity Church in New York City. And only he knows where it is. He meets up with the FBI director, and the FBI director is negotiating with him about how to get the treasure. He says, what do you want? And the Cage character says, I'd really like not to go to prison. And the FBI agent says, you stole the Declaration of Independence. Somebody's got to go to prison. We are sinners. All have sinned. Somebody has to pay for that sin. Somebody has. Jesus Christ has. If we accept that gift. By accepting Christ, acknowledging Christ as the Lord of our life, asking him to forgive our sins and repenting of our sins and try to live more like him. Christ came to fulfill prophecy. Christ came to die for our sins, to pay our debts, and Christ came to show us how life was supposed to be lived. If you come back in two weeks, I'm going to talk in more detail about how Christ lived his life. But today I want to share with you a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Don't y'all wish Paul would write another letter to the church? Probably wouldn't do us any good. There's not a church in Philippi anymore. They didn't pay any attention to it either. He gave us a whole book of instruction. But now reading from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He came to show us how to live. Live like Christ lived. Last week we talked about being a reflection of God. We're created in his image. We talked about all week trying to reflect that fact in our daily lives. Today, Paul reminds us in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what was that mindset? He told us in Matthew 7, 12, his mindset was do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Golden rule. Coca-Cola used to give us a, a rule every year at school with that printed right on, right on the roof. I don't think they do that anymore. Paul goes on to say, 
in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God. Jesus was God. It's consistent. From Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, the story never changes. The theme never changes. The Word of God never changes. Being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He came not to be served, but to serve. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, and this is the good news, because he did that, and we're supposed to be like that, because he did that, it'll happen to us, because he did that, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And one day, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. What a glorious day that will be. The Word became flesh, and dwelt among us to fulfill God's prophecy and complete his plan. To pay our debts for our sins and to show us how to live. Let him who has ears hear. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the people gathered here seeking you. God, as we go forth from this place, help us to heed your word. Help us to order our lives to be more like Christ. And if there's anyone here today who has not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, who has not asked forgiveness for their sins, who does not want to repent of their sins, has not asked to repent of their sins, please touch that person today and change his or her heart. In the name of Christ the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray.